Welcome into the Power Alley. If you're familiar with the podcast, I'm your host, Pat Malacaro. It really is hard to believe that we're just over a week away from the start of the Bison's 2023 season when they head to scranton Wilkesbury to take on the Rail Riders March the 31st. The team will be in Western New York next week, and we continue to count down towards opening day. With that in mind, I thought it'd be a good time to chat with Shai Davidi, Sportsnet columnist covering the Toronto Blue Jays, just to talk about a lot of different topics, including the ratcheting up of the expectations for the Toronto Blue Jays, the interim tag removed from John Schneider, now the full-time manager of the Blue Jays. A lot of changes in the offseason in terms of the coaching staff and also a couple of key additions to not only the pitching staff but to the position players as well. A big trade that we all know about impacting former top prospect Gabriel Moreno. A lot to talk about. Let's hear from Shai. Shai, thanks for taking some time to join us. I know you're down in Arizona right now for the World Baseball Classic. That's where I kind of want to start with, with you today and kind of your first impressions of uh, what has been a, an impressive performance by Team Canada early on in the tournament and kind of the Blue Jay prospects that are littered all throughout the, the WBC. Yeah, for sure. And the three of them on Team Canada, led by Otto Lopez, uh, who's got a shot to be the 26th guy on the Blue Jays roster by the time camp ends. But uh, he's been uh, a really steady contributor for the Canadians. It's only been one game so far, but it's also had a couple nice exhibition games as well. And somebody who who's shown a bit of offensive flair, the ability to move around the diamonds could be the shortstop for Canada, but he's got a shot there. Uh, Desan Brown uh, is a young outfielder, at, and, and Damiano Palmigiani, an infielder who can uh, play the outfield as well. And uh, he's he's got a, a chance to contribute a little bit as well. Both of them, uh, I've had some nice moments, and you can definitely see the skill, and they're soaking up the surroundings around them, and uh, that, that's part of what uh, what Canada likes to do with its young players. Uh, although because of uh, some of the guys that they weren't able to have access to, uh, a few young players on the team are getting perhaps a little bit more run than might have otherwise been expected. I know on the pitching staff wise, there's a lot of great stories. Someone like Matt Brash, who went to college uh, up here in Western New York at, at Niagara University, but also John Axford, who went to their rival at Canisius, and uh, his story of getting back uh, to to playing in, in this tournament after undergoing Tommy John a little over a year ago. So the nice mix of the youth and the the veterans who have had a, a presence here in Buffalo as well. Yeah, an absolutely amazing uh, return for for John Axford. I mean, this guy's going to be 40 on April 1st, and he was up to 94.5 in his second game back in recovery from a second Tommy John. And, uh, you know, he's he's kind of joked uh, that, uh, you know, about how much more he's able to get out of his arm. And, uh, you know, his first game back, it was an exhibition uh, against Chicago Cubs. And, you know, I saw him afterwards, and he looked down at his, at his elbow. It's like, oh, still attached. <laughs> uh, but you know he he hasn't been sure what he's going to have, how he's going to be. Uh, but he's been able to get on the mound and just be really effective. And you know to think about anybody at night at almost forty years old uh, throwing you know mid nineties, uh, it's it's hard to believe. But especially a guy who's been through what he's been through physically, uh, just just really remarkable. And I wonder as you know, spring training games are, are live action. You get in game. Uh, in games and you're able to get innings under your belt but I wonder how much different it is in the WBC to actually play in front of a raucous crowd or you know Spencer Horwitz playing for for Team Israel as well so there's other players uh, you know throughout the WBC um, to get that kind of real in-game 
you know, game seven type feel and how you can carry that over maybe into the start of the season. It's a really fascinating tournament because you've got the small set apple size randomness of, of any small concentration of games and then you multiply that with the variance you get at spring training performances because guys are just frankly at different levels of preparation right some guys prepare really fast some guys it, it takes a little bit more time and all of a sudden you're playing games that matter and it's been pretty crazy so uh you know that element of it makes it put, puts it across the board and uh, you know spencer horowitz and, and Team Israel got off to a good start with uh, their win o- over Panama, comeback win for them. And, you know, he's somebody who was really opening some eyes at, at Blue Jays camp with quality of at-bats, uh, ability to control the strike zone, really smart uh, swing decision makings, uh, you know, a little bit of pop there too. Uh, just, just a good all-around hitter. And that's what helped land him on the, on the 40-man roster this offseason. He's someone that has a chance to contribute to the Blue Jays at some point this year because of that profile. So, uh, you know, it, it, a lot of players get thrown in the fire with this. Some excel, some don't. Uh, and, you know, you just think about just how you can get randomness of performance at any point in the season. Uh, and then you, you get that on, on a grand stage at the World Baseball Classic, which is part of what makes it so electric. As you mentioned, kind of the step that Spencer has taken forward from uh, his time even in Buffalo last year, he kind of burst onto the scene here uh, right around July 1st uh, or so and took off and, and really excelled here at AAA. And taking that in the next drive, I feel like there's a lot of names. Uh, I know Addison Barger is one of the, the, the hot commodities now, so to speak, and uh, raising his profile with how he performed, not only going multiple levels last year, but now continuing a lot of that progress here in spring training in 2023. Yeah, and it's been it's been funny hearing John Schneider talk about him uh, and the way it's changed over the course of spring. Right, beginning of camp, it was jokes about uh, you know how tight the the shirts that Addison Barger was wearing, it, you know the way that he was uh, you know bulging out of them with the you know the his his very impressive physique. Uh, but then he's just hitting, and he's got no fear, and he's up there to do damage and to attack, and uh, you know there's some piece still some people who wonder if uh, you know the big leg kick and might have to be tweaked in some way when, when he gets to the big leagues but people are talking about it in uh, when he gets to the big leagues not if he gets to the big leagues so you know he's somebody who right now is probably just waiting for an opportunity and whether that's somebody struggling or an injury or, or something else he's someone who's very much put himself on the radar uh, the amount of power is sticking out to people, but there's also just an intelligence of approach uh, and a fearlessness that you see with that. That is very common to big league players, right? That he just has that air about him where he believes he belongs and he believes he's going to succeed. Uh, and a lot of times that's half the battle. And how important is that for a Toronto Blue Jays team is to kind of look at the Bison's parent club a little bit, who has big expectations, not only to, to make the postseason, but to maybe contend against uh, the Yankees for, for the AL East and make a postseason run because of we see the, the offseason moves the Blue Jays made. This isn't a team that just wants to make the playoffs. They want to make a run. Yeah, well, Pat, as you well know, and you see it in postseason teams year in, year out, it's not just a 26-man roster that gets you there. It's the 40-man roster. It's the the level of depth that you have. And 
you know, the one thing that the Blue Jays have been seeking to do in the, uh, over the past few years, and it's been taking steps each year, is just building out the depth and putting their roster in a situation where they have more players who deserve at-bats than at-bats to give them and, and more relievers and starters who deserve innings than they have innings to give. And this might be the best year for, for them from that perspective. Uh, you know, you think about uh, some of the guys who are going to be at, at AAA Buffalo, you know, barring a, barring surprise or a couple of late spring injuries, you could see uh, guys like Nate Pearson and Zach Pop and Trent Thornton at AAA, uh, there's some really interesting non-roster guy, non-roster arms specifically uh, in terms of uh, you know the the two junior Fernando, uh, Julian, Julian Fernandez and Julian Fernandez, uh, just big velo arms who, who could be factors. Uh, you know Hagen Danner, depending on how the Blue Jays go with them, he could be at Buffalo or, or maybe start at uh, New Hampshire and then up to Buffalo fairly quickly. Uh, another really big arm who, who's got a chance to factor this year. There are a lot of possibilities for this team uh, of guys who are going to be are, are going to be able to contribute if needed, and you know the, the the Blue Jays have traded a lot of talent over the past couple of years uh, to help bolster the big league club from the minor leagues, uh, and that's maybe thinned out some of their prospect rankings, but they still have a lot of those players who can come in and contribute and maybe do a little bit more than that. And and that's what you need to, to be a contender because, you know, we know the best laid plans, uh, you know, they don't, they don't just get torn up. They often get shredded by, uh, by 162 games. So, uh, you know, we'll expect that the Blue Jays will have to dip down into Buffalo a fair bit over the course of the year. They obviously hope that's not the case, but uh, very rarely uh, can, can teams avoid that. Uh, and those players will be essential to ensuring that the Blue Jays are able to to reach some of their goals this year. Can another player that that could be added to that list is somebody like Nathan Lucas, who was the Triple A uh, the uh, MVP of the Bisons last year, and now back with the Blue Jays again. I believe added to the forty man roster and just continues to excel at Triple A. He's a guy. Depending on how things break, you know, that could end up being uh, on the big league club uh, to start the season. You, you know. Sense I have at this point is maybe Otto Lopez is uh, perhaps a bit ahead of him uh, from a headedness perspective. He fits uh, a bit more of what they need and can move around the diamond uh, where Lucas is is outfield only. But in talking to some people, they felt that he probably should have been called up last year and it certainly earned it and that he probably would have contributed and that the Blue Jays are, are pretty excited about him and what he brings to the table. Uh, so he, he's definitely someone who put himself on the radar. Uh, you know, the Blue Jays when they added him to the forty-man roster, uh, he, he he had a chance to, you know, become a a minor league free agent, and they didn't want that to happen. So they made sure to add him to the forty quickly and and, and keep him around uh, just because of how strongly they feel about him. Uh, and now again, he, you know, he's another outfielder uh, who's going to be at Buffalo waiting for an opportunity. But he's someone who, when the time comes, the Blue Jays feel very confident uh, can can be a contributor for them. And I look at the minor league schedule now here in AAA, and we know that the changes to the 40-man and who could be called up on September 1st have forced, really, AAA baseball to go almost the entire length of the major league season. And how how nice it is for, for a parent club to be able to just go down to AAA and say, 
you're still playing games on September 22nd. Come up and, and join us instead of having to sit on the bench and, and watch games as they go on. And how that can really help a team out, out the stretch of the season, uh, especially pitching-wise, uh, when we know how important it is in the final month of the year. Right, and you've created that alignment. And, you know, I, I'm I'm the one of I'm in maybe the minority. I'm not sure if it's a minority, but uh, I, you know, I'm of the opinion that they should have more than just you know a, a couple of September call-ups and in, in expanding the rosters. I mean, I think it got a bit ridiculous when teams were carrying 40 guys, uh, and the Blue Jays did this in 2019 when they brought up everybody who was on the 40-man roster and trying to keep everybody around that was probably going too far but there is value to giving some players a bit of that experience and having them be around it and taste it and you know there's probably a happier medium there but it's definitely advantageous to have guys continue to throw and you know what the blue jays had done in years past when you know triple a buffalo was was done for the year is that they were sending guys to the florida to the uh down to to Dunedin to keep training and kind of stay in shape, but that's not game speed. That's not game reps. It's just not the same thing. And now, you know, if there is an injury, guys are just in, in better conditioning and they can jump up and they're in a position to to hit the ground running where before that wasn't the case as much. So, uh, you know, from there's certainly some logic to it from that perspective. Um, but, you know, I do think that the September call, the number, the, the reduction in September call-ups, while understandable and sensible, you know, there, there might have been a happier medium way to do it as well. Yeah, and certainly uh, here at AAA, you know, the season longer in 150 games now instead of 140. So that's an adjustment period for players. And uh, I was talking to Joe Scalfani just about a week ago, and uh, of course, Ricky Tiedemann's name came up because of how well he performed in spring last year. And uh, how well he pitched in the regular season last year in the minor leagues and kind of what the expectations are for him in his second full season of professional baseball. Um, you know, what are, what are kind of your expectations of the, the step forward he might need to take this year? I, I don't know that it's so much he needs to take a step forward as in he just needs reps to build up, right? You know, a lot of people like to make the Alec Manoa comparison with him, but Alec Manoa had three years of college baseball under his belt when he got into pro ball and had really had a buildup in, in college. So that when he got into pro ball, the grind of that, even though it was interrupted by COVID, you know, it wasn't as new to him. Whereas, you know, Ricky Tiedemann had, had essentially lost his high school senior season due to COVID. Right? He had thrown 36 innings in total in junior college when he got drafted. And last year he had roughly 80 innings. And that was a first for him. And so the Blue Jays have to be cognizant of building him up in a way that he's able to be a starter who can haul some innings down the road. And that's really one of the primary challenges. I mean, we've seen the stuff this spring. It's just, it's big league caliber. It is it is better than big league caliber, right? He He's, very few guys can match his repertoire, but he needs some more game experience. And he needs that physical buildup. So one of the challenges for the Blue Jays this year is how do you manage his workload in a way that you could have him perhaps available to the big league club for late season contributions and that he can stay ready into the postseason potentially. And that's why I think we'll see a lot of short outings at the beginning of the season uh, just as a way to keep keep that workload down, a steady build, adding some innings towards the back end of the year 
uh, and then maybe he ends up in the big league bullpen. Maybe he ends up uh, at the in the rotation if they need it, in or, or in some sort of hybrid kind of role. You think about David Price his debut with the the Tampa Bay Rays years ago. That might be a bit of a model, but that is really where Ricky Tiedemann is. It's just more reps and game experience, which you can't simulate. And then how do you get the workload up to a point that, you know, next year you can throw them out there without having to worry about the reins being so tight. As we mentioned, Ricky Tiedemann, you mentioned uh, Hagan Danner a little bit. And I think of some of the pitchers that were here last year in terms of Hayden Yinger, who came up from double A and pitched so well, a uh, high round pick and how they worked with Casey Lawrence, who was in essence, at some points, a second pitching coach for the Bisons. And not only was his story so great of going back to the big leagues, but I think about the the value in having Casey back in the organization again and being able to work with not only the pitchers, but even at times some of the young catchers who uh, we've seen uh, learn from Casey uh, in the course of a year. You know, he, he's really the the type of guy who's so important. You saw him jump up last year and, and eat some innings in key spots for the Blue Jays. And, uh, you know, on a different club, he might have even gotten more of an opportunity, a little bit more run than that, uh, because you know, he pitched so well at Buffalo. But the the personality, the knowledge, the life experience, uh, the willingness to, to give himself to his teammates, you know, all that stuff really matters. And I believe that he had a few opportunities to go pitch overseas in Asia this year. You know, he, he's ended up back here uh, in in the role that he was in last year, uh, and you know, good for him. You know, I, I remember uh, years ago him. He, he, I'm not sure if he started this game or not, but he was with the Blue Jays uh, up with the Blue Jays. I think 2018 it was uh, in St. Louis. He came up for a series, and that series it was. Chris Coughlin ended up doing the somersault over Yadi Molina into home plate, and it was just kind of a crazy series. And and he found himself up there. He, he started against the Angels too, uh, so he's lived this life for a long time. He's been around, seen a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, every organization needs that type of guy. Uh, Drew Hutchinson is back in the organization. He'll he'll play a role uh, a role akin to that as well this year, and that's part of the depth that you know we were talking about earlier. And just how much it matters is having those guys around who can contribute, uh, and it, it's just not—it's not just being insurance in case something's needed at the big league level. You want some guys who are going to be able to contribute positively to the younger players as well. And you know, we know that AAA can oftentimes be a, a difficult level because everybody <laughs> believes that they deserve their shot, their shot to be in the big leagues when they're there. Rightfully so, they should be their competitors. But that can be tough. And, you know, having guys there who can explain to the younger players how to have the right mindset and how to focus on themselves and on the team and make sure that they're contributing in a positive way is really important. And I think also someone like Casey Kandel, who will be back as the manager of the Bisons this year and went up and I thought um, performed well under John Schneider in the interim role as bench coach last year. Um, He's really a guy that knows how to manage personalities. And what did you see from Casey in his time in the second half of last year in the big leagues and how he kind of worked with some of the young players? It, not just the young players, with some of the, the more veteran guys too, right? They they all respect him. They all love him. They know that he's a, a guy who's been through it. He's been through it at the big league level, been through it at the minor league level. Uh, a guy who really wants to be there, who's positive and wants to contribute. There's just, he, he's a guy 
who makes people around him feel good. He's he brings energy, he brings positivity, he brings determination, uh, he brings competitiveness. All those little factors matter, right? And you know, Pat, I know you've you've heard the saying where you know you say be the same guy every day, uh, and that's you players try to want that of one another, want that of their coaching staff, and 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 Casey's certainly a great example of that. There, there's a steadiness there, there's a determination. You know, he wants to get after it. He wants to battle the other teams, but he's also got a lightness to him, a positivity, the ability to make people around him feel great. And, you know, that's that's what I remember seeing from him. You know, he joined the Blue Jays at a very difficult time. You know, Mark Budzinski, the, the first base coach, he had just lost his daughter, was coming back from that. Charlie Montoya had just been fired. The team wasn't performing well. There were just a lot of a lot of difficult things for people to deal with. Everybody was frustrated with the situation. Uh, and, you know, John Schneider helped turn things around, but Casey Kandel was a big part of that as well. And I know that the coaching staff uh, rounded out with guys like Jeff Ware, who are joining uh, as, as a bullpen coach this year. We know Don Mattingly will serve as the bench coach under John Schneider now and, and somebody that John really, uh, you know, tried to emulate uh, his, his baseball life after as well a little bit. Um, you know, what are maybe, you know, now is the full-time manager of the Toronto Blue Jays at Dunedin. What what does uh, John Schneider's kind of attitude this spring in Florida and in, in getting ready for his first year as the uh, full-time manager of the team? One of the real focuses once he took over and the points of emphasis was just attention to detail and that every little thing matters in a baseball game. We saw that cost the Blue Jays time and again last year, and that's really been something that's been hammered home right from the beginning of camp and you've really even seen it in the way that things like pitchers fielding practice and bunt defense and base running drills have been run uh during camp and he's gotten buy-in which is super important because you know guys aren't just doing the drill in a hey let's do this and get the hell out of here kind of way it's been a lot of energy and that you know they're hooting and hollering when someone makes a, makes a a really good play on a bunt drill, for instance, and then they're getting on somebody if uh, he de- if he doesn't do it right. And that energy, that investment in that, that's important because if you're not invested in it in April, you know it's probably going to show up in in August in in a way that you don't want. And we'll see whether the reverse holds true as well. That the energy that they put into those drills now shows up positively when it matters down the road. But that is the the thing that stuck out to me uh, when I was at spring training is just the, the amount of energy and the amount of focus on the really mundane. And, and that's really where the where things are at for the Blue Jays. You know, they lost a lot of games in the margins last year, 2021, 2020. And, uh, you know, it was almost like they were, you could see the talent, but they would do one stupid thing every game. And it would end up biting them in the butt. And you know, they the talent is there. They've gotten better. You're not really going to get a lot better from a talent perspective on that roster. Uh, it's really just executing at a higher level. And and that's what John Schneider has been focused on, ensuring that they can get that type of that level of execution and do it at a in a, in a consistent way and not give anything to the opposition. And China, one of the big questions in the offseason was going to be 
would the Blue Jays be able to flip some of their depth from that catching position where you had Alejandro Kirk, Danny Jansen, and Gabriel Moreno at the time in the organization? And they did that, moving Moreno to Arizona and getting Dalton Varsho back um, in that deal. What what did that kind of signal to you, maybe, or or just kind of the the with moving Moreno, what it means for the catching position and even for Varsho as he uh, settles in with the Blue Jays? It's interesting. It's a couple things, right? If you think about the way their position player core is set up, they needed so, uh, they needed someone in the outfield who had a bit of extended control, right? That you started the offseason with two guys who were pending free agents at the end of this year in Teoscar Hernandez and Loris Gurriel. And they had George Springer, but George Springer is now halfway through his uh, his big free agent year. So a uh, free agent deal, excuse me. So, you know, the clock was sort of running out on him. So they needed another piece that they could throw in there and have a little bit of stability. And they had so much surplus at catcher was the obvious place for them to trade from. But Blue Jays really put a lot of emphasis on what their catchers do and how much they contribute to pitcher game planning, handling of pitchers, uh, obviously their usage and the role. And the fact is that they had the, the the duo of Jansen and Kirk was, you know, if not the best, the if not the most productive, it was right up top in terms of production, both offensively and defensively uh, behind the plate last year. So, you know, trading one of those guys would have been very difficult because uh, Moreno just has a lot of growing pains to go through, and that it wouldn't it would have taken some time for him to get up to that level, and for a team that's competing, it's pretty hard to have a catcher who's you know not um not able to hit the ground running and 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 it's, it's not moreno's fault like he's very talented he's going to be good in the in the big leagues but it's just going to take time very few guys can be adley rutschman and and the the blue jays needed him to essentially be adley rutschman as their uh, or some something akin to that uh, to just stay in the running at the big league level uh from behind the plate and not not lose anything there and uh you know the blue jays really feel really like obviously what alejandro kirk brings both offensively and defensively they really place and a, a huge value on the role danny jansen plays with that pitching staff uh and and he hits a ton as well and so you know the blue jays used some of that surplus uh to to get a piece that they need dalton varsho is going to be a good player for them. He's going to change the dynamics of their their outfield defense, and you know they believe that he's got a little bit more in his bat as well than he showed in Arizona. And so, you know, this is a, a trade that has the potential to hurt them because Moreno could very well become an All Star eventually with the Diamondbacks. Uh, but the Blue Jays are living in the here and now, and Varsho, uh, Kirk, and Jansen. That combination is right now far more important for them. The last thing I want to ask you about it, and thanks again for taking the time to join us today, is Kevin Biggio, a player who came down to Buffalo last year. He was on a rehab assignment at one point, even then option to, to the Bisons, and really performed well. It seemed like he found his stride a little bit last year, and he's taken that now into spring training this year. I don't know if rejuvenated is the word, um, still as a young player in, in his professional career, but it seems like he is really finding a home uh, around the diamond, even uh, with the Blue Jays. 
Right. And that's a difficult role, right? Where, you know, he was somebody who thought he was going to be an everyday second baseman in the big leagues. And then he's been asked to bounce around and he's been asked to be ready to go without a guarantee of daily at bats. And he had come out of his approach at different points. And really, he had to buy in to that role and accept all the challenges. And when he came up uh, towards uh, or the, the, the latter part of last season, when he came back uh, from, from Buffalo, he had talked about how embracing it was important for him and that matter was freeing for him. And instead of worrying about where am I at and trying to play his way into this, it was just about excelling in his role in a given day. And so he's just created multiple pathways for him to be a contributor. And he's always been someone who really well regarded for his presence in the clubhouse and his, his, his contributions as a teammate. It's just really been finding a bit of a niche for him at the big league level. And he seems to be finding that niche. He's accepting that niche. John Schneider has been with him for a long time and really values everything that he can bring not just on the field, but off the field too. And having someone with the, who's got his back uh, in that way, a supporter of him, someone who he's got some trust with, uh, someone who's that there's a two-way relationship there that's important. I think that's allowed him to be freeing. And Kevin Biggio is one of the guys who helps you get there is the description I've often heard about of him. And uh, I, I think people will get will look at the numbers only and say, you know, make a determination about his value just solely based on his numbers. But I think the things that he brings to the table go well beyond his numbers, uh, and he'll be an important contributor for the Blue Jays this upcoming season. Look forward to seeing how the 2023 season plays out, Shai. Thanks for taking the time for joining us in Arizona and looking forward to seeing you here in Buffalo at some point this season. Absolutely. Love coming down to Buffalo. Can't wait to get there. And uh, we'll look forward to it. Thanks again for Shy for chatting with us here in the Power Alley. I look forward to catching up with him here at Salem Field at some point in 2023 and look forward to seeing you here in the downtown ballpark as we get set for opening day, not only March the 31st, but then the Bison's home opener on Tuesday, April 4th, 2.05 in the afternoon against the Worcester Red Sox. will be a great time here in downtown Buffalo. Don't forget you can find out all about our home opener, and Anderson's Kids Week that follows by heading to Bisons.com. A lot of great promotions on the docket, not only for the summer season, but also right from the start here from April the 4th. I'll talk to you next week. I'm Pat Malacaro here in the Power Alley.